The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Friends. for a new episode of The Boys of Tech. This one is episode 163 for Monday the 23rd of April 2012. My name is Edwin Ehrman. I'm coming to you live from the studio here in Wellington and joining me over Skype, but also in Wellington, is Ben Sunko. Welcome along, Ben. Thanks, Ed. Hey, how are you this uh, this week? Yeah, pretty good. Excellent. Now, you know what? Last week we said... You were here last week, Ben, but but you, if you listened back to the show, you would have heard us say, and in fact, our regular listeners would have heard us say that there was going to be a lot of people. It'll be a big bumper show this week, right? Yeah, I thought it was going to be quite crowded. Yeah, so did I. It looks like it's just you and me, though. The, the other three are gone AWOL. Yeah, that's a bit slack. It is. So, <laughs> never mind. Maybe I jinxed it. That's probably what happened. I think it might have been. You built up too, too much anticipation. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't do that next time. In fact, I'll tell you what we'll do. At the end of this show, we'll say that it's going to be a really quiet show next week, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, like only only the, the best of the best is going to turn up next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's what we've got now, haven't we? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not, I kind of hope you've got better talent than this. Oh, <laughs> we'll do fine, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll do fine. So just looking ahead at some of the stories we're going to cover, some new research could lead to cameras that can see through objects. The flashback virus is all but defeated and why the dot-com case may never go to trial. This and more in just a second. First of all, though, kicking off with this new research out of University of Texas. And this could lead to cameras that can see through objects. Kind of like X-ray. It's kind of like one of these things you read about in these futuristic books or see in futuristic movies, but never actually happen. Never. never what is, I don't know why they're focusing on it from a cell phone. Like from a, you know, they're really talking about it as if it's going to be in your phone. But why? Why do you want it in your phone? Well, I wonder whether that's just the the aim. I mean, uh, to get something small and portable. I mean, you know, the the military would obviously. Uh, be interested in something like this, and they need something portable. Whether it goes into an actual cell phone or not, if it's small enough to fit in a cell phone, I guess it means that it has a lot of other applications. That's my guess, anyway. Well, I completely agree that they should be talking about it as an individual device, but just even mentioning it as just an add-on to your phone just seems crazy. I mean, as a, as a medical device in hospitals or first aid or Anything like that sounds ideal. You you have it as an individual device that you use to do exactly that. But having it anywhere else just seems like why? why? It'd be so much easier if you could just download an app. But then <laughs> I mean, that article talks about the security concerns quite a lot and how you know it's only four inches and that's because people might just use it. So don't put the hardware in people's phones. Just make it as an individual device and restrict the sale and don't limit it to four inches, which is kind of useless. Just well, do it properly the first time. Well, I guess, I'm, I am i don't know the, the full details, but I'm guessing the four inches thing is uh, to do with kind of like the, uh, the the optical drives. You know, they started at single speed, double speed, quad speed, and so on, as simply as technology got more and more refined. And I'm guessing that this is what it's about. I don't think they're artificially limiting it to a depth of four inches. I suspect it's just the limit of the technology that they're working with at the moment. 
But four inches, which is 10 centimetres, is actually quite useful uh, in the medical field. And you touched on, on, on that earlier about the application in the medical field because you could actually do some sort of deep brain scans with uh, with just 10 centimetres. You could basically scan the whole body. I mean, if you think of it as, I mean, the first thing that came to mind for me was the Star Trek like transcoder thing. Well, you know, they go into the Star Trek sick bay and they run that thing over the people's body and they tell them what the problem is, like, Four inches would be absolutely ideal for that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it would be. It uh, would be broken bones or blood clots or absolutely anything like that. Now, uh, imagine if you could have one of these things on your phone. Going back to this uh, privacy issue that you mentioned earlier, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think this would be a, a major privacy thing, and there need to be laws and controls around that? Um, I could certainly see it coming an issue. I mean. The cell phones themselves right now are like issues in schools and gyms and things like that with people taking you know, inappropriate photos. Yeah, actually, that's taking true. Taking the opportunity. So if you remove the opportunity, they can still do it. It's sort of what's going to happen. Because at the moment, they're still a good two or more years away from an actual product, right? This is just research in a lab. It's got to go through the R&D, more of the R&D phase, prototyping and so on. And by the time you get a product ready, it's going to be at least, two or three years down the track. But eventually, following that, what, what they kind of uh, are guessing is the way it's going to go is that it's going to escalate from there in terms of the depth of the technology. So the first product will do four inches, but then it could be, you know, 10 inches and 40 inches and, and so on. Uh, and eventually we'll get, I, I'm guessing we'll get something that could look through something for, you know, several meters worth, which would be, imagine that for the, for the military. Mm. Although, yeah. although you know, it'll probably fall into both hands. You know, the both sides of the of the war, if you like, which is a yeah, bit scary. I guess it's always everything's going to get militarized, isn't it? If it can. Uh, well, actually, yeah, you're right. Anything, almost any technology that gets developed out there, eventually gets used for both good and bad. So, I think this is going to be one of these things where you just have to watch the space. At the moment, it's very, very early on. I mean, I'd just like to see it confined to the medical space. Just don't. I mean, just keep it there. Keep it where it belongs where it will do good and it won't, doesn't necessarily need to get exploited. Just keep it there, leave it there and let it do its job. Don't Just don't release it out into the general population and ruin the technology for everyone. Yeah, but you know it's going to get out there, don't you? Yeah. Uh, and by the way, for those of you wondering how this works, well, uh, I won't get too technical on this, but it involves using the terahertz frequency of the electromagnetic spectrum. And terahertz frequencies, so that's above gigahertz, right? kilohertz, megahertz, gigahertz, and terahertz, uh, is closer to light. It's almost infrared, in fact. And those are the kinds of frequencies they're using. And that block of the electromagnetic spectrum is kind of difficult to use because of their frequencies are so high. All right, let's look at the status of the Mac flashback virus. Apparently, they have seen a huge drop. It's gone from, I think, something like 600,000 infections down to 270,000. So less than half already, and we're only, what, a week, uh, two weeks out, I think? Yeah, a couple of weeks. Yeah. So I'm guessing the removal tools, I'm guessing the antivirus tools, and also Apple finally (laughs) releasing that update has actually helped. So that's that's what it seems to be. Uh, It seems to be the case, which is good. So if you are on a Mac... Make sure you don't have the virus. We've put some links on, was it last episode or the one before? I think it, I think might have it been. was last episode. 
Yeah, so check our website, boysatech.com. Now, the .com trial, Ben, did you see the, the story there that the whole extradition trial may even not go to court? It does. The whole thing does seem very, very suspicious. Like, um, you know, the big business in America is trying to do things that aren't necessarily working, so they're trying different tactics. Um, and this seems like it could be a bit of a backlash into that. Yeah, it seems something does seem very odd. You know, one example is that for extradition, the charge must be something that has a maximum of five years or more in prison. And copyright charges here in New Zealand only have a maximum of four years. Admittedly, that's only some of the charges. They're, they're, the other charges were, uh, what was it, money laundering and yeah, racketeering, ra- racketeering that's right, or conspir- conspiring to racketeering or something like that. And so I don't know what they carry here in New Zealand. I haven't looked into that. But certainly the copyright charges are only four years, so that goes out the window for extradition. I, it seems really odd that the, the whole thing seems very odd. And the, well, did the New Zealand? It could, it could also be that the other the other charges that have been laid aren't covered by the extradition, and the only one that is covered by extradition is the um, the, the copyright infringement, and then that doesn't meet because it's less than. It could be one of those things that it's just well, let's try this and then try this and try this and try this and. Oh, we stuffed up. None of them meet the criteria. <laughs> Wouldn't that be I mean, we funny? We saw that in New Zealand with um, with a certain trial where. You know, they tried to do a whole bunch of stuff. They went in on one thing that didn't work, tried something else, tried something else. They just keep trying and That's hope that people yeah. give up. Very opportunistic of them. The thing is, though, well, I didn't realise this until this week, that Mega Upload was responsible for 4% of internet traffic. Well, they, they claimed they were responsible for 4%. Oh, that's what they claimed, is it? I believe so. I don't know if anyone actually measured that. Yeah, because that seems a lot. That's 1 in 25 bytes. Is a uh, is a mega upload byte. Yeah, it seems. I mean, I've never heard of them before this case. Like, I know they were big, but I mean, were they really that big? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I I'm exactly the same. I hadn't heard of them. I'd heard of Rapid Share and uh, a bunch of others that I can't recall right now. But I hadn't heard of Mega Upload. But I don't know whether he whether it's as big as some people are making out to be. I would say there was nowhere near four percent of the internet. That just seems absolutely crazy. Well, it does. I'm pretty sure when BBC released the iPlayer or BBC ePlayer, whatever their online player is, they ended up taking about four percent of the UK internet market, and that's a free service. That's basically all TV for free, is my understanding. To anyone in the UK, that makes sense taking up that. Some company I've never heard of claiming four percent doesn't sound right. Yeah, it does, it does seem a little odd. But, you know, they're obviously big enough to attract the attention of the MPAA and the RIAA. But they're going after anyone and everyone. I mean, if you've got a server-based service, they're going to go after you because the files are actually residing on your server. I mean, if they're trying to take down torrent sites where, you know, they effectively have a tracker, I mean, they're after everyone and anyone. Yeah, although it does seem like they've gone to great lengths for this one. I mean, yeah, they had the, what were they, armed police did armed the raid? Armed Defender Squad. I don't know. Yeah, was it the actual armed Defender Squad? or I, I don't know, but they were armed anyway. I don't know which branch of the police force actually did the raid, but they were armed, and it was this huge, big raid, and it was kind of almost like a military operation. Well, I guess he did have quite a few security personnel working for him, and they probably knew that. Well, that's true. And he did have firearms, actually, as well. So they didn't want to start a, a shootout either, did they? I mean, what else are those guys going to do? We don't really have problems like that in New Zealand. So 
you kind of have to make up stuff for them to do, otherwise they're just <laughs> yeah. training the whole time. <laughs> That's it. Maybe it was a training exercise. Hey, we've got a copyright right takedown. Let's get the armed offenders guys in and, and get them some training. <laughs> yeah, they were really annoyed because they didn't have the movie they wanted on Mega Upload, so they went in and raided them. <laughs> That'll be it. That'll be it. Oh, no, this hasn't got that movie. Right, let's, let's raid them. <laughs> we'll, we'll teach them. Exactly. Uh, anyway, so this may not even go to trial by the looks of things. It's not over yet, obviously, but at the moment there's a chance that it may never go to trial, at least not for extradition anyway. So it's quite possible that Kim.com will continue to reside in New Zealand. I bet that would actually really infuriate the US and, and the US uh, authorities. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that the, you know, the laws around this potentially get changed to allow him to get taken out. Yeah, so the ongoing saga of the dot-com trial. Now, Microsoft has announced that Windows 8 will be available in only three flavours. Yes, they're finally learning. None of those premium, ultra, home premium, home ultra, small business, big business. Oh, my goodness. They're finally learning. It's actually going to come out in two main flavors, which is Windows 8 and Windows 8 Pro. And the third one uh, for ARM processors, which will be called Windows RT. Well, sorry, it's a Windows RT version of Windows 8. So... I think this is a good move. I've seen it for a long time, and it's not just because I'm sort of banging the the Apple drum, but I think one thing that Apple got right on in its OS is that it, it kept its model simple for marketing, right? They only had one, ver- well, actually, one version plus some add-on tools to turn the, you know, one version into a server version. So you could argue they had two versions, right? And, and I think that was the right approach. Well, you, know, you could also argue that Mac have done absolutely nothing in the server environment. I've never met anyone that hosted anything on a Mac server. It's true, they haven't got much penetration in that market, I agree. But Mac OS X server has, has all the tools you need. But, you know, but, but you're right, they haven't, they haven't penetrated them. No, I, I've, I've only seen a few uh, instances of, of Mac servers. Uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, Windows 8, I'm looking forward to it. It's, I think it's going to be a great OS. And I'm glad it's only going to be available in two main versions plus a mobile version because now I don't have to worry about trying to figure out which bits I want and which bits I, I don't want. I mean, that's all good, but it does seem like they're going to potentially ruin the desktop environment for the mobile environment. I do I With the convergence of the two? Yeah, yeah. I'm concerned that they're going to basically make the desktop useless. And the fact that they're already talking about having a, you know, a more business-orientated version of it and there better be like a decent, like, it constantly annoys me how they keep changing the server version and making it harder and harder to get in and manage things and find the things that you need. And if they remove a lot of that access, that's not going to be a good move. Are they actually removing those things or have they just been burying them under other things, you know, well, other places? They do make it harder and harder to find them. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, with the new design, it just it doesn't seem like for the home user, okay, fine. But for the power user, it just seems crazy. Like, everything I've seen makes me not want to go to it. Yeah, look, I, I'm in two minds, to be honest. I, I think until until I start using Windows 8, I, it's kind of hard for me to, to guess how I'm going to react. But I understand what you're saying. They've got this, this sort of touch interface with it, with no start menu to start with. And it's not the proper desktop. It's kind of the, this, the mobile, if you like, the mobile interface in, in front. And I think where you're coming from too is that for business users, you'll often want to get rid of that and just go straight into the desktop, right? Yeah, I mean, like me personally, I don't, I don't really care 
I, I want functionality. I don't want, oh, look at the pretty pictures. I get sick of the pretty pictures so quickly and I want to be able to do stuff. So it just gets in the way. But you care even less anyway than that because you, you've got Ubuntu. That's true. I don't really care. But I do have to put up with Windows at work. So. Ah, right. Do they force you to use that, do they? Well, it's a, you know, it's a big part of the, um, a lot of our customers use Windows. So I am just as you know versatile with Windows as I am with Linux. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, he says at the end. Well, it's every time I'm using Windows, I'm just sitting there going, man, I wish I was using Linux. It would be so much easier. <laughs> I know. I get the same. Except for me, of course, it's it's Mac. But all Linux sometimes, depending but, on I mean, what I'm doing. Every time I jump on a Mac, the first thing I do is open a terminal. It's like it's just, it's just like comfort food. It just makes me feel better. <laughs> you and your black and white screen, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, why not? Why not? I'm just as comfortable there, too. All right, look, tell you what, that's the end of the international section. But right after this short musical interlude we'll come back with a story about Telstra Clear launching a new plan right here in New Zealand don't go away Welcome back. Telstra Clear has announced a brand new broadband service. Ben, do you want to tell us about it? Yes. Yeah, um, so the highest, well, the fastest speed one that they've released in Wellington so far has been 15 megabit down, uh, I think 2 megabit up. And now they're going to be releasing 100 megabit down with 10 megabit up. Whoa, uh, did you say 100 megabits? 100 megabit down, yeah. So we're starting wow. to get, you know, real speed. Now, that's apparently going in Wellington and Christchurch, right? I believe it was released in Christchurch two years ago, um, but it was released at like uh, $250 a month or some like pretty excessive price, whereas the one that they're talking about now is $116, and that's for 100 gigs. In New Zealand, that's actually pretty decent. Yeah, uh, it is for New Zealand, 116 a month for for yeah, 100 megabits. Like that's a, you're right, it is. What's the, but it depends on the cap, though. What's the, the cap on that? It's a 100 gig cap. Oh, sorry, it's a 100 gig cap. Yeah, 100 gig cap and 100 megabit down. So the 70, the 60 gig cap at 15 megabit is $80. So it's pretty comparable to that. Like the yeah. Increase, the imp- increase in bandwidth alone, you know, the actual uh, cap is almost worth it, let alone the speed increase as well. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Actually, if you just look at the caps alone, it's probably still reasonable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's certainly starting to become pretty reasonable. Yeah. Um, and I believe it's a competition to the ultra-fast broadband that's going to be rolled out soon. That's right, because the ultra-fast broadband, they didn't get the deal, did they? No, I'm pretty sure Telecom did quite a quite a deal to get rid of, you know, to get basically most of the country. I think the country's divided up into something like 26 individual regions, and all but eight of them, I think, have gone to Telecom, who sort of... My understanding is they basically blackmailed the existing copper upgrade that they'd done against the USB to sort of limit what could be done without them being involved. And their involvement was that they got a bucket load of the contract. Ah, uh, is that how it went? You know, yeah. as much as I don't like telecom, I actually have a feeling that they'll actually do quite a good job of this. Whether their plans will be any good, I don't know. But I, I think the, the infrastructure, I, I think telecom's well-placed for that. Um, and I, I'm, I'm saying that I'm, I'm saying that through my teeth, you know, <laughs> gritting have you my teeth. To telecom help desk before? Well, their help desk is hopeless. But then, to be honest, Telstra Clear is well. Actually, you, the helpful ones you get through—they just take ages to get through. I've been on forty-five minute wait to Telstra Clear before. When was this? This was about a, a year ago. Okay, or a year and a half at, at max. One thing I've always liked with Telstra Clear is you ring up and they know your case history, whereas. Telecom, they're just, it's a waste of time ringing up. No one can do anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm, can't do anything. 
I must admit, the, the health, once you get it, Telstra Clear is, gets my vote, totally. Yeah, I mean, they fix things. Yeah, they do. They I mean, do. And, and, and Telecom can't allow email to be sent or received. Like, they, they outsourced all of their email to Yahoo a few years ago. And that's now, right. like, on the, the message, on the, um, the email list that I'm on in the New Zealand network groups, like, you just, every month, there is at least one person going, um, how do we get mail through extra? And the answer is, well, you can't like you. You can't. You know, they don't offer email as a service. You you'll spend the next six months tracking down the one person that will allow your IP or your network to send email, and good luck trying to find that person. And he probably won't be the same person in the month's time. So, are you saying they're actually blocking port twenty five, or they just don't route? They're so bad, or they've got so many polluted ranges that they just get blacklisted immediately. Or it's I don't, I don't know. It almost seems a conscious effort to not allow mail for it. Funny company when it comes to internet. Yeah, and the whole, you know, splitting off, but we're not going to split, but we will split, but don't make us split. It's just... Oh, the spl- splitting of the company. Of you mean the splitting of the company? I'll just, yeah, like yeah. when they're supposed to go to the, you know, the chorus, the um, the limes part versus the actual extra versus telecom. Oh, that's right. There was a residential versus the wholesale versus internet, I think, or something. Is that and how... And the whole just, it just seems like a joke what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. I'm not impressed. No, I've, you know, I've never been a fan of telecom for internet, ever. In fact, even for phone calls. I, uh, I mean, I'm on Telstra Claire for both. I love it. Yeah, we don't even have a phone like it. We don't need it. So, you, have you, so you're on naked, uh, well, you're on cable, aren't you? Just, yeah, just pure cable, that's it, nothing else. Well, would you call that naked cable? I suppose you would, wouldn't you? I think that's what they call it, yeah. Naked cable. <laughs> Sounds weird. All right, so look, I think this plan is definitely something we need to be doing. We just should have done it a lot sooner in this country. But thanks to Telstra Clear, you know, they've actually come through with that ahead of uh, ahead of the UFB because that hasn't been implemented yet, has it, UFB? I think it might well, have done been some trials. a few very small regions up north. I believe it's starting at the north. Right. But also, with the way that it's funded, like the government is putting in like a rolling... $6 billion, I think it is. But what it means is that like the overall cost to New Zealand is something like $30 billion. So they put in the initial six, and then they wait for that six to be paid back to the government to then pay it out to the next lot of people that would start rolling it out. It's, it's quite a strange sort of thing. Oh, I so see. They, need, they need people to sign up, but not too quickly, and sort of let it slowly roll through the country. All right, okay. Yeah, I've, mm. I've seen a couple of presentations on it and I don't quite understand the economics involved. It seems quite elaborate. Is that because they don't want to, the government doesn't want to invest too much at once, so they're waiting for it, some of it to pay itself before they do the next? Uh, I think so. Basically, we don't have the money to spend. Yeah. Well, so I, you know, I can kind of, a, to some extent, I can understand that, you know. I mean, to, to be quite honest, I, I think it's great that the uh, government is backing this, uh, you know, this initiative. Otherwise, it would, I, to be honest, would it ever happen? Anytime um, soon? It's, I mean, if we look at, say we look at international connectivity, like the Southern Cross Cable was our only, basically our only route out of New Zealand other than a few other minor ones. Yep. Um, so a company comes along and says, we're going to lay a new cable, we're going to lay the Pacific Fiber, it's going to you know, increase the bandwidth to New Zealand by about a hundredfold or tenfold or something. The owners of the Southern Cross go, why are you going to do that? We don't need another cable, we're absolutely fine. Because it's going to cost them money. So they're opposing that. And that's the New Zealand marketplace in a nutshell. It's like, you're going to come in and cut out some of our business. We don't want you to do that. And yeah. It stifles yeah. our innovation, basically. Yeah, that's right. And, and the thing is also, when, you, when you've when you got a, 
a duopoly, it you know, if the other one doesn't make a move, you don't need to make a move either. And and so no, of course you, not. you know, Anyway, let's keep an eye out for these 100 megabit plans from Telstra Clear. Obviously, as you mentioned, it's their, their sort of answer to the uh, ultra-fast broadband. That well, it's not even an answer. It's a preemptive move. It's a good part. It's a good move on their part. They're leaders. They are definitely the leaders. Would you consider their plan? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Um, I've been very happy with Telstra. And, I mean, Telstra, every year, pretty much, they'll increase the bandwidth or lower the price or do both. Um, they are very good at moving their plans with where they think it should be. You're right, because otherwise, if if, <laughs> if they don't get stuck on these these plans that you know, I mean, ten gig today was a much bigger size five years ago. If, if you get what I mean. Totally, everything is using more bandwidth than it used That's to. Like right. You load a web page, and five years ago you loaded the web page. Now you load a web page, and it's making constant AJAX calls back, and that page is so chatty. The, the internet is a completely different place. Very soon we'll get to the size of Extra's very first homepage. <laughs> Do you remember that? that no. Great, they had this great big whopping something like 700k image map as their, this is when we're on modems, of course, remember. And it would take forever. Yeah, it would take forever. Although they were the butt of the, the, the you know, jokes around the internet at the time. They obviously had no clue. Absolutely no clue. You know, there's people on, you know, 144288336K modems. I think 56 had only just barely come in, so no one was really using those. And they had this something like 700K image map with this, you know, this big graphic of a of a city and different parts to click on to, to get to different things, you know, whether you want news or whether you want the weather and so on. It was stupid. And they probably had a no-cache uh, sitting on it as well. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Oh, goodness me. My, my, they've, they've learned a lot since then anyway. All right, yeah. Ben, look, thank you very much uh, for doing the, the show. That pretty much concludes episode 163. So, yeah, look, thank you once again. And <laughs> not quite the bumper episode that we said it would be, but nevertheless, yeah, a great chat. to be part of this plethora of hosts. Yeah, you, me, and... The internet. The internet, that's it. Human internet. All right, Ben, look, thank you once again. Thanks, Ben. Okay, and thank you, everyone, for uh, tuning in. Hope to catch you again next week for episode 164. Until then, take care, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.